Welcome to Make No Bones. I'm Emily Barton Altman. And I'm Toby Altman. Make No Bones is a podcast about poets and poetry. Each episode, we ask a poet to read a poem and talk about it. They tell us how they wrote it and explain how it reflects the broader priorities of their work. This week's episode features Laura Goldstein. Uh, My name is Laura Goldstein. Laura Goldstein's first collection of poetry, Loaded Ark, was released by Trembling Pillow Press in 2013, and her second collection, Awesome Camera, was published by Make Now Press in 2014. Her poems have appeared in American Letters and Commentary, Denver Quarterly, Make Magazine, West Wind Review, Maggie Magazine, Horseless Review, and Tenderloin. A new work is soon to be published in No Assholes Magazine. She currently teaches at Loyola University Chicago and co-curates the Red Rover Reading Series. She'll read two sections from her long poem, Safe Wars. The poem starts off with this um, concern for the poetry community and how we're all working together. But um, the main theme of the poem is this conflict between being at war as a culture and how that affects us as citizens of that culture. And I put those two terms together because I'm really concerned about our preconceptions about intimacy and how conflict actually is masked in intimacy um, in a lot of relationships that I think are culturally constructed. And I'm trying to really look at that and tease that out. Um, Another occasion, honestly, for the manuscript is going through a divorce. So a lot of, you know, the this a lot of this intimate relationship that I had been involved in being turned inside out and turning into conflict was another occasion to really look at what happens within that dynamic. I have been keeping a journal since I received one as a gift on my seventh birthday. And that started me just having writing as a daily practice. I know that there was a journal from maybe when I was 11 or 12 where I started writing poetry. I'm making air quotes because it was all rhymy, stanza-based, pretty horrible poetry, um, which I think was a pretty important phase to um, be in and then move out of at a, <laughs> at a young age, <laughs> hopefully. Um, writing has always been something that I not only really enjoyed, but I noticed that it really helped me to create a space within myself that I really needed, that I wasn't finding in the world. Um, I really needed to create a parallel space with language in order to understand things that were happening around me at all, (laughs) if not better. So that's why I I started using and really needing writing. I had my first publication in high school with the high school literary magazine, and then again, college with the college literary magazine. So I was being published semi-regularly. And that felt pretty natural, actually. And I think that that's an important element of being a poet to mention because I do enjoy sharing what I'm writing with readers. I had just started to become really politically aware shortly after college 
I, I'm, I mean, I'm a little embarrassed because it sounds like I was kind of insular, but I guess I sort of was. Um, I knew that I was uncomfortable with how the world was from a very young age, but I wasn't really able to see clearly what was causing that. I had some really important conversations uh, with some people shortly after college about very specific things like Israel. <laughs> and that's actually, that was a turning point for me to think about how very specific things that were happening in the world that were affecting people in the moment, how important that was and how turning my attention to those events was extremely, was an extremely important thing to do. And when I entered Temple's writing program, that was something that we talked about very explicitly. So after I graduated from Temple, um, there was a lot of discussion about making sure that poets address the political in their work. And I was very intrigued by those conversations and I was very motivated by them. And that's actually where my second book came out of those concerns, Awesome Camera. And so I had a lot of practice really deliberately bringing the political into my work. But I, I don't think that the personal and the political are naturally intertwined. I actually think that it's important to turn one's attention to issues that are affecting people directly in terms of systematic injustice and to address those things. But I think it's really important to ask, like, what is my responsibility as a writer who is putting text into the world? And also what the term poet means. I, I don't think it just means one who writes poetry. I think that it means one who thinks a certain way about the world and responds to the world in a certain way. Um, that's very exciting to me to be a poet and say, you know, that, know that I have this role and to use the idea of that role as a way to guide my sense of that responsibility. So I do think about that when I take on projects and when I do write poems. And I do like to mix that sense of responsibility in with my responsibility to myself in terms of understanding my own subjectivity and where I'm coming from. And especially in Safe Wars, I think that I'm trying to be a little bit more, I'm trying to take more ownership of my own subjective position as it affects how I'm looking at certain subjects like war. It actually has taken some time to figure out what exactly I'm looking at in Safe Wars as a political matter. I am very interested in the fact that we've been at war for a long period of time. But in Safe Wars, I realize that I'm especially examining the ways that war has been fictionalized for us. And I think the reason why I've become very interested in that is because that's how I came to understand what being at war means for uh, an American such as myself who has not been drafted, for instance, and who watches films and who has led a fairly privileged life. So I looked at a few movies that depicted what it is like to be involved in a war, but they're obviously 
fictionalized and they obviously use the narrative arc of a drama in order to create a certain type of feeling in the viewer. And that's something that's really interesting to me that this idea of, you know, creating a certain emotional effect in a viewer who is safe in a theater or at home watching a film about war where people who are actually at war are extremely unsafe. So Safe Wars, the poem, is laid out across the two pages of the book. So it starts um, on the left-hand side, and then the next section will actually be on the right-hand side of the book. Mm-hmm. And then the next section will be on the right-hand side of the book, one section down, and then it returns to the left-hand side of the book. So it kind of goes across the page, across the book. And the reason why I wanted to do that is because continuing this interest that I have of directing the reader's eye across the page and also considering the open book as the site of the reading and what I can do with that. One of the reasons that I like to write longer poems is so that the reader can actually have a time-based experience with it. And with Safe Wars, one of my references is the Iliad, is looking at that as an epic poem about war. Um, And it's also very much about time, um, how long this war takes, but also the reader's experience of reading about this war. So there's this multi-level experience happening. So I was also thinking about that with composing Safe Wars in terms of the reader's experience of time. The reason that for this project I wanted to turn back towards the personal was I like to uh, enter into different modes of poetic approach. Uh, for each project and try out different ways of writing poetry. But more specifically, I think that I wanted to bring in the lyric voice a little bit more strongly. I think that it has been a bit taboo to use the personal in poetry that's considered avant-garde or experimental. And with poets like Anne Boyer and Claudia Rankine, Uh, we are all witnessing how powerful that actually is. Um, So I feel that my use of at least what I consider to be my voice um, can be a powerful way to convey some of these ideas, maybe images, especially um, with this project, infusing Um, emotion with these various situations that we find ourselves in. One of the things that I'm wondering about right now, especially because I'm teaching Citizen and I've been talking about it this week with my students, is how an author as a set of words on a page can play around with being a person. And I have tried to in safe wars go in and out of actually using 
the first person, uh, being a person who is writing this poem and having experiences and emotional attachments to the ideas about war or about viewing war, and then sometimes dropping that idea and really hoping or relying on the reader to create their own emotional space from what I'm just experimenting with. These are two sections from a long poem called Safe Wars, section zero and section three. Zero, I dreamt about you all night. You're so young with so much poetry to write. We're on a ship in a hull full of light. There's a lack of walls and foresight. We're in plain view, some transparent rescue, counting fingers, and all of this just comes out of us, some plan. This history is now a past full of rooms and tints and hues, walls of pages from thin books on a color wheel still turning. The sun's not up now, I know you can relate. Scrolls stacked in a corner vertically say, safe wars. Is this a safe war? Is this a war? Three, second bomb falls safe for those in the know, a surprise for those who are sleeping, surrounded by snow. Depend on the past and be put to sleep. Last night, I hallucinated myself as a simple curl and then dropped off. My non-knowing, a long expanse of light, purple air. The kind that hangs there just as long as you're watching. The rules of war don't apply to us here. We don't need each other anymore. This episode of Make No Bones was produced and edited by Toby and Emily Altman in Chicago, Illinois. The music for this episode is by Toby Altman. We have a uh, special feature with Laura talking about the way she uses rhyme in her work up on our website, makenobonespodcast.org. It's, uh, it's really great, and you should check it out. Um, and you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Join us next time for an interview with Jay Biesemer, who will read from his forthcoming book, Keylight. If you like the show, you can follow us and rate us on iTunes. Please consider writing a review, too.